reset. The first week was on the gospel. Today I want to hit the reset button on what is the church. And if you'll find Acts, the second chapter, we're going to read one of the most famous passages about the church. It's in the latter verses of the second chapter of Acts. So turn on or turn in your Bibles there, follow along with me, and um, let's start to read. It's on the screen as well. Verse 38, Jesus has risen from the dead, Jesus has ascended to heaven, the disciples have been waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit explodes on the day of Pentecost, the people gather, they're wondering what's going on, Peter stands up and starts to preach. Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. And then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadily in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, awe. They were just in awe of the wonders and the signs that were done from the apostles. And all who believed were together. They had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as they had a need. And they continued daily with one accord, with the same heart. They were unified, meeting in the temple. So there they were on the Lord's Day, meeting in the temple to praise God, but also meeting in the homes for fellowship, breaking bread from house to house, eating food together with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. He added to the church. And what do you think of when I say the word church? Is it, is it a building? Is it a place that you go? Is it pews and a place with a preacher? Is it stained glass? Is it some place that you want to get back to more often? Some place you need to keep away from and you got dragged here? What is it when I say, you know, church to you? You know, the church has never been about a building, really. It's always been about a movement, a multiplying, multicultural movement of people. And uh, this last, uh, just yesterday, uh, our, the famous astronaut Neil Armstrong passed away. I don't know if you read this. He passed away, this first man to ever walk on the moon. And he used to sign the pictures, his publicity pictures. He would sign them um, this. He would say, um, better than man walking on the moon is the son of man walking on the earth. He was a deeply devoted Christian. And when he landed on the moon, the first thing they did was they radioed back and they asked for a moment of silence so people could contemplate the incredible event that has just happened. And in that moment of silence, they took out a little plastic bag and they broke bread and they had a little tiny container of wine and they stopped and they contemplated and they remembered the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Think about that. The first liquid, the first food consumed on the moon was in remembrance of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. Now, I've been to the Smithsonian, and I've seen the Apollo 11 capsule, and I've never confused that for a church, and neither have you. You've never thought, wow, that looks like a church. But you know what? The church is never about the container or the shell, but on the moon, there was a church one day, and there's a church anytime people gather together. We need to hit reset again today and say, God, show us again what it is that the church is all about. Because, you know, we don't understand it. We think it's a place that you go. It's a building. 
Ed Stetzer reported in some research recently that half of all people who claim to be Christians uh, haven't invited one person uh, to the gathering of Christians in the last six months. It was so powerful, it was so compelling, it made such a difference in their lives, they felt that uh, they had to share it with other people. So what is it that we need to reset? It's time to just take a look again at what is the church. Let's just pray about this and we'll get going. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just uh, open up our hearts today and help us to understand. Please speak to us, make this word come alive. Help me, Lord, to speak as if you're speaking. In Jesus' name, amen. The word church comes from a Greek word called ekklesia. It is, it is a word that means gathering. It's a word that means the assembly. It means uh, a movement of people that come together, centralizing around the greatest person who ever lived. Jesus is the one who came preaching the gospel. And last week we talked about that, that he simply said, uh, everything is about to change. I've arrived on the earth, and everything's going to be different from this day forward. So you change. You change the direction of your life. Believe and follow me. And the first people to hear this message, they did not understand exactly what he was talking about, but they could not deny that there was something that was powerful going on. They watched him heal people, and they watched people's lives change, and they were in awe of the work that was happening in people's lives. And then he said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they had no idea what he was talking about. Essentially, he was saying, if you follow me for a while, I'm going to change the way you even think about yourself. You won't even recognize yourself a few years from now. But they didn't know what he meant, but they, were, they, they, they knew that something was going on, so they started to walk with him. And the first little gathering of people gathered around Jesus, this first little group of followers. And there were times when it was great, when they were excited, because they saw the power of God. And there are other times when they recognized, because they were so close to God they, and to Jesus, they recognized their own deficiencies. At times, Peter would say things like, um, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. You know? And it's not until we walk into the light sometimes that we realize all the dirt and the stains that are on our clothing. Well, it's just like that when you start following Jesus. You can be excited about the hope of change, and then you start realizing how much work there really is to do in your own life. And these guys did not often understand, but they followed. They started to walk with Jesus. And about three years into it, Jesus finally said to them, who do you guys say that I am? And they responded in a lot of different ways, but finally Peter said, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood, or people have not revealed this to you, Peter. This is God that explained this to you. And he said, on this, your name will now be known as Peter. This little, you'll be the rock. And on this rock, on this idea, on this declaration that you've said, I will build my ecclesia. The first time we hear this word, I'll build my church. I'll build this gathering. I will, I will mobilize people. I will move people around this idea. And that movement will be unstoppable. It will go to the very ends of the earth. Not even the gates of hell can stop it. Jesus gathered those disciples together um, just a few more times, and then he died and was crucified, and he rose again. But for the 40 days after he rose from the dead, he spent time teaching them about the kingdom of God. And he told them, I am going to send you the Holy Spirit. He said in his great commission on the last day, his last words, he said, you guys need to wait in Jerusalem for the power of the Holy Spirit because when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in this city. You're going to be my witnesses to this whole nation in Judea. You're going to be my witnesses to Samaria, to, to people that aren't like you, who, are, who you don't even like, people, places you don't normally go. You're going to be my witnesses in Samaria. You're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Matthew's gospel records the same event where he says, go, make disciples to the whole world. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded. And they had no idea what he was talking about. They couldn't imagine. They were like a hundred people, just a hundred people fearing that, Jesus, you're not setting up your kingdom and you're telling us you're going to leave. And they, were, they, they didn't know what he meant. But he says, just wait, wait, because when the power of the Holy Spirit comes, you will be my witnesses. And a witness back then is the same as it means today. Somebody who just testifies what they've seen or what they've heard. You're going to talk about what you've seen. You're going to represent accurately everything that you know to be true. You're going to be my witnesses, not only in this city. In this city, they want to kill us. They killed you. Yeah, but in this city, you're going to be my witnesses. In, in, in this whole nation, there's just a hundred of us. How are we supposed to you know, touch the whole nation? You're going to go to cultures that are different from you, people that, that will probably reject you at first. You're going to go to them. What? Yeah, you're going to go to the whole world. And they didn't understand, but those guys did what they'd been doing all along. They followed. They went back into Jerusalem as they watched Jesus ascend into the air. They went back in, and for 40 days, or for, or, or for the next 10 days, they just prayed together. They just waited on God. They listened. They, they, they spent time just, God, we don't know what you're saying to us, but we're ready. We're open. God, we wait for you. God, speak to our hearts. At the end of that 10 days, there was a festival in Jerusalem called the, the Festival of Pentecost. Penta means 50th, and it's the 50th day after Passover. And there were Jews from all over the world, from every country. The Acts records from every known region of the world. And they were gathered there to celebrate this festival. On the morning of that day, they were up in this upper room praying together, and the power of the Holy Spirit filled that room. They said it was like, like a sound of like a, like a train, like a rushing mighty wind coming through. There was a, a visible manifestation of God's presence. It was, it was not fire, but it was like fire, like the room was on fire. But the fire like broke apart and became like little fires on the head of every person. Just like the fire of God was over the temple, it was that symbol that said, now all of you will be the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be in your life, and I'll fill you up, and I'll tell you what to speak. And you know what? They began to speak in the languages of all of these people who were gathered. Just like Jesus promised, this multicultural, multiplying movement just happened as they began to to praise God and to proclaim what God had done through Jesus Christ in the languages of all of these people all over Jerusalem. And this buzz started. These uneducated Galileans are are speaking our language. We don't understand this. Some just heard babbling. They thought they were drunk, but others said, that's not babbling, that's my language. I know what they're talking about. And people were in awe as they began to speak, and the crowd gathered. And in that first gathering, when the presence of God was there, in that first assembly, Peter got up and started to speak. Not rehearsed. Not prepared, he just simply said, brothers and sisters, God endorsed Jesus Christ before you with, through great signs and great wonders. You know what he did? I mean, two months ago, they saw him walking around, healing people, uh, casting demons out, uh, raising people from the dead. You saw all the things that he did. You knew that he was from God and that God's spirit rested upon him. But with the help of godless men, you put him to death. You crucified Jesus Christ. I mean, he was so bold. And the power of the spirit, you see, the power of God's spirit in your life, the evidence is this incredible boldness. You just know you're speaking for God. And, and Peter began to speak and say, this Jesus that you crucified. And he kept talking like this. And, and people heard, and it said that they were convicted in their heart, and they, they, were, they were sure that what Peter was saying was true. After all, 
This wasn't like some far distant ancient history he was talking about. These people remembered what happened just a few uh, weeks before, that, that they had watched this Jesus whom they were celebrating now dragging a cross through the streets, being whipped and beaten, being put to death on a cross. But they also knew that the earth had shaken that day. There was a tremendous earthquake and that the sky had turned black and the they heard about the, the veil in the temple being ripped in two. And they knew that God's presence had hit that city. And nobody understood what was going on. And here's Peter saying, what happened that day? Jesus Christ uh, died on the cross. And three days later, he was raised from the dead. And we are eyewitnesses. We saw it. And everybody knew that the tomb was empty. The Bible says that the power of God was so on that meeting that uh, people just began to cry out, look, what do we do? What are we supposed to do? Uh, how should we respond? And you see, this is the whole idea. Church is not a building. It's not a place. It's any time people gather together and God's presence is there and people start to sense in their heart, we don't understand it all fully, but we know this is true. We recognize God speaking to us. You see, Christianity is not just about Jesus who lived a long time ago, who, who, who we're supposed to like learn from his teachings. The central idea of Christianity is a resurrection. Jesus died. He was the son of God. He rose from the dead. And his power now is available to every person. The same power that's on us is available to you. It's for you and it's for your children and for all who are far off. So Peter says, repent, believe, and be baptized. This promise of the Holy Spirit is for you, it's for your children, and then he says, for all who are far off. You know who all who are far off is? That's us, here, in this ecclesia today, in this gathering today. We're the ones he was talking about. People in a different culture, in a different time, people who were far removed. Isn't it amazing that a 100 people, those 100 people, they fulfilled the prophecy and their message spread not only through the world that they knew, because they only knew the Roman Empire, but through the entire world. Every piece of our planet today has pretty much heard the name of Jesus Christ. And Peter was saying, this good news isn't just for you guys here today. It's for everybody, all who are far off. And the mission of this movement is going to be to spread the message of who Jesus is. And with many other, you know, convincing words, he spoke about Christ and the people responded. Do you know that it said that 3,000 people believed? They repented. They said, you know what? It's going to start with us. We're changing our direction. We're going to start following Jesus. And they were baptized that day. 3,000 people. You know how long it would take to baptize 3,000 people? You know how many people that is in a city the size of Jerusalem? It changed the whole city. For people who say, you know, I don't like big churches. You wouldn't have liked this first church in the book of Acts. 3,000 people the first day who came up and realized, you know, everything that we know about God has changed. And I want to be in on it. And I know that my life is going to have to change. I believe. I don't understand it all, but I'm ready to follow. And it talks about what that community looked like, how they started to, to, to learn and to grow together. And they broke bread in their homes and they shared with one another. And they worshiped in the temple courts and they responded to people who were in need. And it was just a beautiful movement. And people in the city were just in awe of these Christ followers. And the Lord started adding every day people who, say, who said, I want to be a part of that. I want to join this movement. 
The church is not a building or a place that you go. It is a multiplying, multicultural movement of people who are obeying God's voice to, to just go into the world, into their world, wherever he calls, and to share what Christ has done for them. And you see, people have been responding to this all through the centuries. All through the years, people have said, you know what, God, I'll take responsibility. Yes, I will be a witness for you. That is the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is a gathering of people who say, my reason for existence is to share what Christ has done. And we may have a variety of jobs and vocations, but the central idea of our life is we will share what Jesus is and who he is. And when the church comes together like that, there is nothing like it in the world. When the church is on mission, when the church gets it that my life is to be about the life of Jesus, loving people well, leading them into this transforming relationship with him like I'm experiencing. When the church is on mission, there's nothing like it in the whole world. The church, when it gathers together on a Sunday to praise God, or when it meets in a high school, or it meets under a tree, or it meets out in 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 cafeterias and lobbies and break rooms, or maybe in a small room called Crossroads where little children are hearing the, uh, hearing the gospel as the church is gathered in that room, or as, as the church is gathered with a group of students around a lunch table in a school during the week, or when we're serving uh, the least and the left out and the lost, or we're bringing a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. When the church is together doing what what Jesus would do, that is so powerful and it's so amazing. When the church is reaching out to people who are hurting and it's not a class and it's not a program, it's simply the church responding to the call of God. When, the, when people get this and say, I'll take responsibility for my role in sharing the gospel with people, beautiful things happen. Take a look at this story of a lady in our church named Mary and what Jesus did for her as the body of Christ and as the church responded to her in her time of need. Take a look at this. Hi, my name is Mary Owens and I'm from Rushville, Indiana. I was married for 34 years. And I was a practicing Catholic for 34 years. 2004, my husband left me and my world collapsed. I struggled very hard with the ups and downs of a failed marriage. And I could not let go of that. And the minute I walked into Heartland, I felt so warm and welcomed. Everybody was hugging each other. And it just was a very good vibe that I got. My kids asked me if I would like to go to the new divorce care. I was dragged down by the people. I was hanging on to my ex-husband's family because I was close to them. I, I just would not get over that hump. I couldn't believe that he had left me. I was devastated. And I started going to the meetings and it was a transformation in my life. I was finally able to get over the hump and get through the grieving and healing that I've been trying to do for seven long years. I began to realize through the messages each week that I had never had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and I, needed to do that and I, it was something I've been seeking for a long long time this ministry changed my life October 15th last year I made a commitment at Heartland the following day on the 16th I learned that it was not enough to hear God's words 
I had to use God's words to change the way I was living. This ministry made me realize I could, and I was not alone, and that He was always with me. And that's very important, because I am not alone. I'm not alone at all. I'm the happiest I've ever been. It's not only the message, it's just the whole experience. I mean, you know, when you come into church and you can stand up and praise God in song and then hear a great message and be with people who are genuinely people who love you and to have our pastor come up each week and tell everybody, welcome, anything can happen here, and I love you. That means a lot to the people sitting out there. It really does. So that helps. Uh, it's just such a warm and welcoming church. That's awesome. I hope that for the rest of your life, you'll, you'll believe that the church is not a building. It's not a place that you go where you check it off, like, I better get back to church, or I got to go to this thing, and like, that's what makes you a good person. The church is us. The church is a people. A we are a multiplying, multicultural movement of people that are responding to the call, to the mission of Jesus, to love people well, lead them into relationship with him. Who, a group of people who actually believe this, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, he is alive, and he offers his Holy Spirit to every person, to anyone who would believe and who would receive him, he gives them the right to become a child of God. And that power of the Holy Spirit will change them from the inside out. And eventually, if they will allow him, if they'll follow him and let him lead, he will change everything about their life. He'll give them a hope. He'll give them a future. He'll restore them. He'll take people who feel like they're hopeless and lost, like Mary, and after seven years, totally transform their view and give them a whole new life. This is the power of the gospel. It's an exciting vision. It's an intimidating vision because it's exciting because we want to see God change people's lives and it's intimidating because we have to count the cost and we say, God, first of all, how could you use somebody like me? And second of all, look at us. Who are we to think that you want to use us to not only reach our city but the nation and to go to other cultures and to reach people beyond us and really send people into the whole world? That's why God always calls the people who are starting to get a glimpse of his mission just to stop. Don't run out and try to do it all in your own power. Stop and wait and listen to God. And that's what the 40 days of prayer is all about. Before we start, before we say uh, what we're going to do, we need to stop as a church and just say, God, talk to me. You see, change is going to happen. And God's going to use this church in an awesome way to touch the lives of people. But change begins with you and change begins with me. And we pause and we open up our heart and we say, God, Talk to me. For the next 40 days, I want to consecrate my life. I want to hit the reset button. I want to reestablish the pattern of listening to you every day. You know, we're going to give you a CD. We have a CD that's going to be available next Sunday that's just, just music for prayer, that you can create an atmosphere in your home, 15 minutes or whatever time you want, where you can just sit there and hear God speak, where you can read those devotionals, where you can read the book of Acts, where you can talk to God, where you can come in the middle of the week to a prayer meeting, where there's a small group study that's designed to help you understand what happens when the people of God stop and pray, just like those uh, disciples all those years ago, those first Christ followers. Six weekly messages that are designed to help you grow 
and to talk to God and have him speak to you and give you a vision for the rest of your life. That's what the 40 days of prayer is going to be about, and I want everybody to participate. I don't want anybody just watching. God didn't bring you to this church just to watch uh, an event or watch some people. I've been, I've been praying for you. I, you say, well, how do you, how do you pray for me? You don't even know me. Well, I don't have to know you. There's all kinds of people. Like Mary, I prayed for her for years before I ever knew her face or her name. I prayed that God would, would bring people out of the pain of divorce and change their life, and I prayed for her. And when I met her, that's why my heart was so filled with joy, because I said, I've been praying for you. I just didn't know your name. And I'm, I am praying for you. I'm praying that God won't let you just, just sit and watch, you know, a, a, a church just, just kind of go past you. I want you to experience the power of God's Holy Spirit. And I want him to change your life. And I want you to grow and to respond to God's call, because you have no idea, some of you, how God wants to use your life. You say, well, I'm too old. You know, life has passed me by. God can use you in the last. He can make the next 10 years the best 10 years of your life. And if you're just a young person, you have no idea what God has in store for you. So give him your whole life now. Offer yourselves to God these next 40 days and say, God, uh, I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to to get my head right with you. And I promise you, at the end of this 40 days, you're going to be on fire for Jesus. Will you join me in this? If you're not in a small group, Come out tonight to that uh, Discovering Heartland, and we'll make sure you're connected. Or just go buy the CD and invite people to your house. Your commission. You don't need any special, you know, any special permission. Just do it. Invite people over. Put it on and, uh, and, and discuss. Show up here every week and pray, and I think God's going to do something really great in you. You know, some of you just need to respond today. There's one more thing before I go. You've heard the message of Jesus before. You've heard that he's alive, that he wants to change your life, and you've never, you've never done anything about it. Well, today's the day to do that. Today is the day where you say, Jesus Christ, come into my life. I'm sorry for my sin. I, I changed direction. I'm ready to believe. You can do that today. I want you to come at the end of this service. After everybody's leaving, just walk up and talk to somebody uh, who's here to pray for you and to help you uh, make that, say that prayer. And for many of you, Uh, You've believed, you've walked with God for many years, but you've never stepped out publicly like the very first Christians. I don't know how to make it more clear than that, that 3,000 people heard the message and said, we're going to follow Jesus, and they were baptized that day. I don't know what else it takes for you to be convinced that to publicly declare your faith in Christ is the next step for you to do that. So you can do that today in any of our services, or if you say the people who need to be here to see this are not here, On Sunday, September the 9th, two weeks from now, the whole Sunday is going to just be about baptism, and we're just going to baptize people in all of our services, all of our campuses. And I want you to step across that line and say, no more, you know, 50% or 20% devotion to Christ, all of me. What would happen if this whole church, just all of us, just said, God, anytime, anywhere, anything, whatever you ask me for, I'm totally yours. What would happen? we would have what we just read about in the book of Acts all over again. That's what I want to see happen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, just move us out of our complacency and make us excited. I know half the people in here don't even understand what I'm talking about. (laughs) But we don't have to understand. Those first disciples didn't fully understand. They got excited and they just said, okay, we'll follow. And at the end of that time, you changed their life. And I pray the same thing would happen to every person who will respond today. Just say this prayer in your heart, Jesus Christ, I give you control of my life. I believe that you died for me, that you you rose again, 
and that you want to take charge of my life and help me and lead me. So yes, I say yes to you. I'll follow you. Say yes, God, that's me. God, take every person who sincerely prays that prayer, get them started on the right track with you, fill them with your spirit, and change their life in the days to come. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. God bless you. Jesus changes lives, and he wants to change your life. He changed Mike and I, and it's a choice. We all have a choice. And let's say yes, because he wants to do the impossible through you. In just a moment, we want to pray for you. And no matter what you have for us to pray for, we want to meet your need. So what's God been saying to you? Um, As you know, every week we baptize people. Just last week, we had two more people baptized. As I held the hand of Ignacio, who uh, gave his life to Christ, just seeing the life change that happened in his eyes was unbelievable. God's whispering to you today and guiding you to come back and be baptized. We've got everything ready for you. We've got shirts, t-shirts, shorts, hair dryers, everything you could possibly need. So it's a life-changing experience. If he's whispering to you, please go ahead and do that today. And as I mentioned, we want to pray for you, no matter what it is. If you prayed that prayer with Pastor Darren and you gave your life to Christ today, please come tell somebody on the prayer team. You don't have to be a member of Heartland. And if it's your first time, we would love to pray with you. Please stand as we conclude our worship with a benediction. And the benediction is not just a prayer. The benediction is a blessing from God. God wants to bless you today. So I just ask you to prepare your hearts, get ready to receive the blessing that God wants to give you. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, your soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, I pray that you draw every person who needs prayer for any reason. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming, everyone.